Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, October 27th, 2022. We are going to preview week eight in the NFL with me, Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, and Mike Tanier, as always. We've got a bunch of good games to talk about. Sorry, no guests this week. Things got kind of uh, foobarred with our guest, but we've got some good games. And of course, we've got our sponsor. So before we get into this week's game, let me talk to you about Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog Fantasy with us, and you will double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. If your season-long fantasy teams are floundering, you can play <laughs> Underdog's Battle Royale. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I see you out there, people who drafted Jameis Winston like me. That, it's not that bad. He's my second quarterback in Scott Fishbowl, and my first quarterback is Josh Allen. It's not that bad. And he's the second quarterback in, in a two quarterback, two quarterback league. So now I'm starting Josh Allen and Taylor Heineke. Uh, don't be like me. Play Underdogs Battle Royale. It's a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or you can try their pick'em games where you easily pick a player's chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. Use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Battle Royale is perfect, not just for folks who draft poorly, but for people like me who just forget their lineup if they draft in August and they try to run a conventional old school one. And like for me especially, it's like Brees Hall will get injured. I'll write about Brees Hall getting injured. I'll go on the Monday show with Ian and we'll talk for 15 minutes about Brees Hall getting injured. And then I won't take Brees Hall out of my lineup because I'll forget my fantasy <laughs> team. Battle World, you go in like 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 now. You can go in Thursday afternoon, pick a team for the week, lightning quick, little little uh, snake draft, come out the other end, win a lot of prizes, forget about it by Monday if you did poorly. Don't forget about it if you did well. I have a league in which I forgot to activate DeAndre Hopkins last week. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury forgot to activate it's, Andrew it's, Hopkins. It's, so it's, it's, well, they threw to Hopkins plenty. He got plenty of yeah. fantasy points. It's just, you know, I it's not like I don't do this for a living. Luckily, <laughs> that's the league that doesn't matter for people who know my I play in a league with my friends called the multi-league where okay. we draft three sports at once and it's a keeper league and I won last year. So I'm basically punting this year. <laughs> my team my team consists of like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, Brian Robinson, Chris okay. Olave. It's all like guys who missed the first half of the year. It's like the school, Williams. It's like the feel good and feel bad stories of the yes. year all mushed into one. Yeah. The the important thing is will they play next year? That's the only thing that matters to me. Wow. Um all right, so we start with a really good game tonight, right? So we don't always cover the Thursday night game on this podcast, and I apologize to people who are listening afterwards, uh, and we're about to talk about a game that you've already seen, but for people who are watching live on the live stream, and of course, do not forget, one, you want to be watching live on the live stream, YouTube or Twitch. It's a youtube.com slash football outsiders network, I believe, because you can comment and have discussions with us live during the show. 
So that is the reason why you want to be here live 1 p.m. Eastern every day for Football Outsiders live streams. So uh, let's talk about Baltimore at Tampa Bay tonight. That is a really good game. Baltimore is the top team among the four and three teams by DVOA. And Tampa Bay is the top team among the three and four teams by DVOA. So both of these are teams that are better than their records, according to our numbers. And then the game is seriously complicated by the fact that there are a lot of injuries going on. Yeah. By the way, you wrote about uh, the Ravens and the perception of the Ravens and how much that's skewed by that one game, game. that Miami Dolphins game earlier in the season. So if they don't lose a really inexplicable game, they're a five and two team and they're, they are what we think they are at that point. But because of that, almost like hard to explain meltdown late. That's why they're in this predicament of the four and three team. Right. Where Miami, I think the Ravens ended up with more yards per play and the, and the Ravens ended up with fewer penalties. And it's like everything indicated that they should win the game, except that they didn't win the game. It was, it's a crazy. So by the post game win expectancy formula, it is the second most surprising win of the last dozen years. Wow. So there was only, it was, um, it came out as the expected win was Miami 0.9%. So there was a 99.1% chance, typically, that the Ravens win that. That's what you're saying. That the Ravens would win that game. And the only game that was lower was a 2013 game with, I think, Tennessee and Jacksonville that was at 0.5%. So it was it was a weird game, and it totally affects our uh, how we see the Ravens. But then, right. so but then you have to ask, like, who are these teams? Because okay, so let's start with the Buccaneers, right? Um, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, Logan Ryan is on IR, and Antoine Winfield. So that that's, is four of their top six defensive backs who are yeah, out for secondary, right? And then Russell Gage. Okay. And then nobody knows if Julio Jones will play. And Cameron Brait. Yeah. And, and, and Luke Gadecki, I think that's one of their offensive linemen. It's also he's one of their offensive linemen. And I think he was one of the ones who was starting in place with one of the other guys who got right. hurt. Other side of the ball, Ravens is trying to get an update. I think they're practicing right now. But Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, hopeful that they'll be able to play. But, like, right. that doesn't – excuse me, they're not practicing right now. So the game is no, – As of yesterday, uh, yes. Andrews had not practiced all week. Bateman right. did – was limited in practice yesterday. Limited in practice. I got my days mixed up. I thought this was Wednesday. Yeah. So they're hopeful. It doesn't sound super optimistic. So we have a team with no secondary against a team – well, generally that doesn't have any receivers, but now might be without their top tight end. Right. Who is their top receiver, effectively? Yes, who's basically so, the wide receiver one. Looking at the uh, the prop bets, it looks like Vegas thinks Mark Andrews is not going to be there. For example, he's at like plus 120 as an anytime touchdown score. He's not usually around plus 120 for the Ravens as an anytime touchdown score. Yeah, I know we um, we uh, we have not. No, Phil Galligan asks if he missed a discussion of the Tony news. I think we're going to get to the Giants later in the show, and we will yes. discuss – we're going to discuss both of the recent big trades because we're going to get to both Philadelphia and the Giants later in the show. Um, you know, the uh, you had a parlay that you wanted to go with, but I have a feeling you're less likely to go with it now that the, you know that Andrews is very likely not playing. Right. Uh, it's more one that I wanted to talk about. I wasn't sure I was totally 
in on it. And I'm also lost it in my notes. So here it is. Yeah. So the parlay was, and this was from DraftKings, Lamar Jackson, 220-plus passing yards. Mark Andrews, anytime touchdown scorer. And the Ravens' money line at plus 650. And I have a funny feeling when I looked at that, the house already knew Andrews was probably not going to play. They come up with these a lot of times Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, and they're giving you that kind of odds based on that. Obviously not going to play a parlay like that with Andrews unavailable. Yeah. The, um, you know, the Tampa defense was stellar the first five weeks of the season. Yes. We've looked a lot the last couple of weeks. Why has Tampa lost these two bad games, especially losing 21-3 to Carolina is just, you know, right. awful. And the fact is like their defense is still top 10. It's fifth. It's actually fifth by DVOA, but they've been really bad against the past the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I mean, I haven't watched the games back to see why. Unfortunately, our guest was going to be a Tampa person who was going to be able to talk to us about uh, why the Tampa pass defense has struggled so much the last two weeks, whether it's the injuries, whether it's a pass rush thing, something else. But we'll have to have him later in the in the season. One thing uh, that I did say is that the last week's game was nothing-nothing for a big chunk of that game. So it was a situation yeah. where the pass defense starts to fall apart, probably just from the amount of opportunities that, you you know, the amount of times that the Panthers got the ball, they start buckling late. You know, they're trying to be perfect for this entire game. I think that had part to do it. Keep in mind, that was P.J. Walker. It's not like, oh, right. you know. <laughs> you know, P.J. Walker made some really good throws. Like, um, it's interesting. I saw a few plays of that game switching to red zone, okay? Yeah. And when I was watching, Brady missed throws. Yes. Like, Brady did not look good. But then when I was not watching and I saw some highlights afterwards, Brady made some really good throws. And if you look at Tampa Bay this year, they are 10th passing the ball. So it looks like Brady is declined but he has not gone in the tank like he has right. this is not peyton manning in 2015 he hasn't fallen off the cliff they just he's getting pressured at a ridiculous rate they're 26th in espn's pass block win rate and especially up the middle because of the injuries that they suffered in the preseason and retirement of marpet and then the running game is non-existent 31st in DVOA. Playoff Lenny has become suckballs Lenny. They're <laughs> oh. getting nothing out of him. They're getting nothing out of him and the line. They're getting nothing out of the line. So um, as much as we want to be like, oh my God, you know, Brady and Rogers falling apart. Right. The the numbers, and this goes for Green Bay too, uh, we'll get to them later, suggest not Brady and Rogers falling apart, but Brady and Rogers just not playing at the MVP level and everything around them falling apart. Yeah, them playing at a second quartile quarterback level. Like you're right. Like that's where you're at. And that's shocking. Now, Fournette's success rate is just 49%. And folks, you can go on Football Outsiders, see our success rate. That's like a running back batting average. That's whether or not he's getting you five or six yards on first down, getting yep. you close to six on second down. It's very low, 49%. Another thing that they're having with their running game is on third and fourth and short. So go for it situations, trying to get a short yardage, uh, one or two yards, 21 carries, just 11 first downs. And that was a problem last week where they're trying to convert a couple short yardage situations for that in the offensive line isn't getting it done. So off the bat, those two things, 
that are creating situations where first they're not extending drives. Secondly, they're putting Brady in third and long a lot. And that's what I'm seeing there is that Brady's third and long conversion rates are pretty low. Like that's the thing he's not really succeeding at as, as well as he did in the past. He's not Peyton Manning in 2015 who was throwing pick sixes all over the field, right. but third and nine, what have you got for us? And more often than not now it's, it's an off target pass or he's pressured and he's putting the ball at somebody's feet. And that's obviously not what we saw even last year from Brady. Yeah. Brady has not fallen off the cliff. He just has tripped on a pothole. <laughs> like it's, 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 he's fallen, but it's different. He's it, fallen, but he can get up. Interesting to see if the Ravens, you know, how much pressure they bring. One interesting thing has been the switch in uh, defensive coordinator for the Ravens is that they're blitzing now at an average rate, right? They used to be super blitz happy. And um, I know we like to think of it as don't blitz Brady because he's so good. But the last few years, that's not true. Unlike Mahomes or Josh Allen, he actually has not been as good if you blitz him. Uh, But the Ravens are low in pressure rate. They're low in pass rush win rate. Uh, But at the same time, Tampa is so bad pass blocking. Like, you know, there's a little bit of the uh, movable object uh, versus the resistible force here. Uh, What's going to, you know, with what's going to happen with the the pass rush, uh, the Baltimore pass rush. Right. And and in the past, it was like, yeah, you blitz Brady, he'll beat you. Or you look at the weapons that he has at his disposal and they're going to destroy you. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are good, are still very, very good players, obviously. I don't know what tier they're at. We all saw uh, you know, Evans drop the touchdown last week and all that other goofy stuff that's going on. You look past that, you mentioned if Gage is available, Julio Jones is vaporware at this point. Lenny's Lenny. There's no like third down back who can make plays out of the backfield. I know when I was on with they, 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 they never played Bernard this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks ago when I was on with Ian on the Monday show, I was like, this should be the team that goes after McCaffrey. Okay, but that's not the direction they headed in. You can attack this team. You can attack a weak offensive line. You can attack an immobile quarterback, and you can generate things off the blitz. By the way, I'm looking for that anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, yeah, so am I. I'm looking for ideas <laughs> here. Um, I don't love it. We'll, we'll, we'll finish talking about this game, and then we're going to answer yes. Gino Z's question before we get to the next game. The other thing I want to talk about was how Lamar Jackson was awful against the Blitz last year and was blitzed more than I think any quarterback in the league except Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. This year, he has been pretty good against the Blitz. Good. And we know that Todd Bowles likes to Blitz. Right. So if they Blitz, you know, are we going to first of all see scrambling Lamar or yeah. second of all see like actually passing well Lamar? Right. Like, it's a problem for them. Yeah, we've seen more of – Quality scrambling Lamar, but more of I can just beat it with a short over-the-top pass. And a little less of, we saw a little bit of it last week, the run straight backwards and then throw a screen pass at somebody's feet, Lamar. That, that's still in play, but we've seen less of it. You're right, by the way. Tampa Bay with the blitz, 31.9% blitz weight per pro football reference. Fifth in the NFL, so they are still very blitz happy. I, by the way, anytime score, I mean, Lamar sitting there at plus 180. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um do you need a look? I don't know if he needs an anytime score from this game or from any game. Oh, if he needs a, th- you need an anytime score now. You probably need an anytime score tonight. Otherwise, if you, you need got three more days to find one. That's a lock. I mean, the best for tonight is going to be. I mean, Lamar Jackson has to run it in to count as an anytime yes. score, right? Not pass. Yeah, it would have been Andrews, except that we don't know if Andrews is playing. 
Right. If you don't want to be weak, our yeah. projections suggest Joe Mixon against Cleveland. No, he says this game. This game. See, see, it's it's Thursday. You need Mike a Thursday Evans. night game play. Mike Evans is the best bet, I think. Okay, Mike Evans, you can get him at clicking the link right now. Uh plus one one twenty five. Plus one twenty five. So yeah. not a lot of meat on that bone, but hey, maybe you'll get an autograph from the game from him afterwards as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought that the line on this was actually Ravens minus one and a half. And I don't know whether I wrote it down wrong or it's moved, but it is now Tampa minus one and a half. It, you, Tampa minus two. Oh, you have Tampa minus two. I had Tampa minus one and a half at the consensus yeah. this morning. So what all that's saying is farewell, Mark Andrews. That's what that line that's moving. Yeah slowly as we speak is but also carlton davis and antoine winfield and i mean i think it evens out like mark andrews is important but like your whole secondary other than jamal's team is also important yeah except that this is a team where you don't attack the secondary as much where those receivers you know you know you can win against those receivers who i can't even name right now i guess Deshaun, you know and 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 duvernay and those guys yeah it's duvernay and um I mean, who knows how much Deshaun Jackson there will be. No, it's Duvernay. It's Duvernay is the main receiver. It's Duvernay is the main receiver. Still a lot of speed. They'll probably attack with like end arounds and stuff there too. I still yeah. like the Ravens. I still like the Ravens. I That's still like the Ravens too. I still like the Ravens too. I don't want to be too negative about the Buccaneers because I still think they're a good team. But these are both teams where you're like, I still think this is a good team even despite their record. Mm-hmm. But I think the Ravens are a little bit better team. I think the Ravens right. are a little bit better team. Makes sense. Um, all right, our second game. Uh, hopefully, we've helped Gino Z. And again, you know, don't forget if you're watching live, YouTube or Twitch, please ask questions. Talk to us about these games. Uh, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. So uh, we'll start with the fact that uh, some big trade news to talk about. How do you feel about Robert Quinn? Very wise addition. Very good tactical addition. Did not cost a lot in terms of draft capital is not costing any real long-term salary assets, especially since there seems to be some homebrewing in terms of how they're handling his contract. And people are asking, like Eagles fans, neighbors are saying, well, how much does this guy have left? And I don't know how much he has left. I know a lot of people have been talking about Quinn's double-team statistics, and he's been getting double-teamed a lot for a defense that doesn't have a lot else in the front four. Chicago Bears also blitzed less than any other team in the NFL, which sounds wrong for the for the – Bears, but they blitz on 14.6% of their uh, passing plays, which means they're expecting more from Quinn in their front four, which might not be up to snuff. But here's the thing with the Eagles. I'm going to go through the Eagles' pressure numbers. Okay, total pressures per Sports Info Solutions. Josh Sweat, 17. Hassan Riddick, 15. Brandon Graham, 11. Those are okay numbers. None of them are like a top 20 person in pressures. And what they clearly want to get there is a fourth person into this rotation. They were they were hoping Derek Barnett would be that early in the season. He didn't work out. Teron Johnson was getting a lot of reps, like rotating with Graham. He's not really uh, a difference maker. Quinn has had 12 pressures this year. You add him, and the Eagles, again, are kind of a low blitz team. And now you can – they like to rotate defensive line. And they want to rotate, especially Graham. Graham is my age. Okay, He's got a beard as gray as mine at this point. You want to get those guys rotating. Quinn is a major, major rotation piece to add to this defense. I mean, when I was on, uh, I was on Eagles 365 
okay. uh, at the beginning of this week, and they asked me about Brian Burns, and I said, you know, I feel like the Eagles already have a really good pass rush, and they've already got a deep pass rush, and you don't need to send off first-round picks for a pass rusher. But a fourth-round pick? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, right. that's great. This is, gives them, like, what they would have wanted with Brian Burns, not as good, but again, you know, they weren't looking for a starting pass rusher. They were looking for a rotating pass rusher. And I think Quinn does have something left and this is a great trade for them. Yeah, this is a good thing, right? Uh, he's going to be a different guy at 20, 25 snaps for a contender than he is getting beaten up right now for this team that doesn't know which direction it's going in. So I said this earlier on Twitter, looking over splits to prepare for the show, the Eagles are going to lose a game at a certain point. They're not going 17 and out. Right. When they lose a game, they're going to lose a game to a team that runs the ball because they're actually weak against first down runs. They're 26th in DVOA. They struggle against third down runs. They're 35th, uh, 31st in DVOA. Um, that's the weakness of this team is run defense. Pittsburgh yeah. is not the team. Pittsburgh <laughs> is not the team that's going to make them – feel bad about the running, you know, run. <laughs> Najee is that offensive line. They're better than you expect pass blocking. They're actually 10th in ESPN's pass block win rate, but the running, running, run blocking is, is awful. Yeah. And, and I think all of their pass blocking statistics are helped by that awful system. And that awful system of Matt Canada's is designed to protect yeah. a offensive line at all costs. When you're doing about five or six different rollout concepts a game, you're rolling away from their best, uh, uh, edge rusher, or you're getting the tight end involved as a blocker, and that's why you're rolling, et cetera. And that's what you can help with that. One of the things that the Steelers try to do is, I think, I think they're trying to do. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. They're trying to generate yak. Uh, they're, they're trying to get the ball in space to some of these guys, but it's not working out. I looked up yards after the catch of their receivers. Deontay Johnson, somebody I think of as sort of a yak guy, yeah. is second worst in the NFL with 1.4 yards after the catch. Or completion. Pickens is seventh worst at the NFL. Two point oh yards per catch after the completion. That's okay. He's more. When of a you run player. that many drags like Johnson does, you should yeah. not be that low. Pickens is much more of a like jump at 50-50 ball guy. I can see yes. that. Johnson should not be that low. Right. Johnson should be getting those drags and getting twelve yards at a pop afterwards. And Pickens, I'll say this: the fifty-fifty deep guys usually get their yaks because they catch it and they run twenty more yards after the bump, like they're past the guy. Everything with Pickens has to be a jump ball because I don't think the quarterbacks get them get it to, to him in stride enough. Fryermuth is seventh worst among tight ends. Uh, anyone listening, you can try to guess who's worst among tight ends in Yak. Get a no prize if you can guess who's worst in tight ends among Yak. But Fryermuth is second, seventh worst. And Najee is five, fifth worst against running backs. And you think about how much they want to do with screens and other things to get Najee the ball in space. He's not getting Yak either. So you have an offense that is so, I think, predictable by these opponents that like, Oh, here comes the shallow drag. We're just going to sit on it. Here comes the screen. We're going to sit on it. And the Steelers can't move the ball. Um, The other stat that I picked out, uh, it's funny. The Eagles are phenomenal against starting wide receivers and deep passes. But of course the Steelers, how much do the Steelers pass deep, right? Everything is get it out quick, short. Yeah. So that that, that strength doesn't really come into play here. Right. One bomb to Pickens. The worst tight end in Yak, he says, is it Taysom Hill? Nope, nope, nope. Somebody's going to come up with it. Useful. I'm counting on you. You. Sh- I thought you were going to jump in with it. It's not Taysom. Taysom, when he gets the catch, he can move. He can move. I have no. I have no idea who it is. Actually. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll save it to the end. 
Um, the Steelers are 24th against passes up the middle. And I was like, oh, remember that from last year? That was Hurts' yes. thing. He never passed up the middle. So I went and looked. Hurts still throws up the middle less than other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He has 37. And the average team in the league has 53 of them. Okay. But he actually has above average DVOA on passes up the middle this year. Mm-hmm. He's at 74%, and the league average is 33% above average. So, Right. Um, and if you look at our Monday thing, folks, if you uh, if you are a FO Plus member on Monday, Aaron and I put together a DVOA preview, and I had Hertz's numbers in there over the middle. And again, they're very competitive. They're not top yeah. of the league or something. But like now it's like 12th in the league, 13th in the league. If you're 12th and 13th in the league in that, and you're really good at other stuff, but you're right. They should be able to exploit, exploit. Yeah. That. That's a weakness for the Steelers defense. So, um, you know, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick or no Minka Fitzpatrick, they're strong against tight ends, but they're weak against passes over the middle. So, right. you know, this would be a good time for drags and drags. You know. They like a little RPO slant to AJ Brown. Yep. They have a different ways of getting Goddard involved in the middle of the field. So there's a couple of things they like to do, but I think Brown has really been the difference with that. It's not Cole Komet sleepy time. Uh, so the line on this one is Eagles minus 10 and a half <laughs> with a See, total this... of 43 and a half. And the Steelers have been burning me on both sides of that, where it's like, I think the Steelers are covering the heck out of this and they don't. And then they, you know, beat the Buccaneers where it's like, okay, I'm feeling really comfortable. I took a Buccaneers money line. And I was like, well, I'm going to be comfortable with this. And you go the other way. Uh, so uh, YOLO, you know, in it to win it. I'll roll with the Eagles. On this and lay those I, if I had to pick, I would go Eagles, but that 10 and a half makes me uncomfortable. It could absolutely be a 10 point win. Yeah. And there's no good same game parlay to the juice it up. So I, I would just lay, I'll, I'll lay, I'll lay with the Eagles. Zach Ertz, folks. Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. A little elderly. <laughs> uh, I think Kyle Pitts could not be lowest in yak because he means yak per catch, not totally yes. yak. Yeah, you have to actually catch the ball to be on the list. And I believe Zach uh, Kyle Pitts has negative three catches this year. So. Uh, let's talk about my boys, <clears throat> the New England Patriots at the New York Jets. Uh, this is the number two game for the importance to playoff odds. Patriots make the playoffs 39% of the time if they win, 13% if they lose. Jets, 78% if they win. if they lose. I have to tell you how wild it was to be at that game Monday night. Um, I said this uh, on Twitter and, you know, we have arguments all the time about whether momentum is a real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, analytics people argue that there's no definition of momentum that you can ever actually test and prove is real. I know it's something that players feel, but it's, it's it's meaningless. Like it, it 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 might be real, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. And if I ever had a game to convince me of that, this was <laughs> the game. I cannot tell you how electric that place was after Zappy's second touchdown. And I was on the other side of a window, so I wasn't in the stands. Like that, you could hear it. It was there was so much momentum for the Patriots. And then they completely fell flat on their faces for the entire rest of the game. And, and to clarify here, you're somebody who has been there for several AFC championship victories. Yes. And playoff victories. So you're at Gillette frequently over the last 15 years. You you know Gillette at its most electric. 
we were there for the deflate gate game, sir. We we've seen it all. And that you're describing it as like a, a, a unique atmosphere. Yeah, it was like I mean, it was the excitement in the stands was like at AFC championship game levels. Like it was just like this guy is the guy and and yeah. oh my god, look he came in and the two touchdowns right away and oh, here's the big win over Chicago that we knew we were getting in the first place and <laughs> just the cheering was loud and the people were psyched and it was like I mean, that was the most momentum. That was so much momentum and it, and then they went out there and they sucked. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then the Bears said, here's an idea. Let's cover their receivers. And <laughs> the game suddenly, game suddenly now, changed. Now, I, I will say this. Talking to people in the, in the press room after the game, um, there are a couple of things that really went wrong for the Patriots in that game that the Jets are not equipped to, to deal with. But first of all, the Jets' biggest strength right now is, is, is Sauce Gardner. Their biggest strength is, you know, with Brees Hall injured, that's no longer their biggest strength. Their biggest strength is Sauce Gardner shutting down your number one wideout. The Patriots don't have a number one wideout. Yeah, I mean, Devontae has been. Yeah, but I mean, you shut down Devontae and they're happy to go to everyone else. Like, it's not like you shut down DeAndre Hopkins and then they don't know what to, Arizona doesn't know what to do with itself. And you're four of that, yes. Right? The other thing is Zach Wilson may have had a couple of long scrambles last year that gave him really good rushing numbers. But he's not a mobile quarterback. Right. This is not Justin Fields. This is not Lamar Jackson. The Patriots prize intelligence over speed on defense. And it leaves them completely susceptible to mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And this is not one. So this is not going to look like Chicago. Right. And and they're slow. And that, it wasn't just they couldn't stop Fields. They look slow on defense when they're not facing an offense that's kind of a grinding offense. Like against the Lions, right. you're fine because it's kind of a grinding offense, et cetera. But the Jets are kind of a grinding offense, especially now that they don't have Brees Hall. I mean yeah, – um, the, the Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's his name? Uh, uh, Barrios is like a quick guy. Wilson is more of a finesse-type receiver than a pure speed guy on one end. Uh, yeah, running backs, Carter is more of a power guy. So – I can definitely see that. And the other factor about this is it's the Jets with a 75% chance of reaching the playoffs and they've got to face the Patriots and they got to do it without both Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker at this point. And every, everything yeah. is just setting up for a, a Jets failure. It's, it's- I mean, I can give you splits, right? The Jets offense on first down is 28th passing and eighth running. The Patriots offense, uh, Patriots defense on first down is second mm-hmm. against the pass and 27th against the run. So everything sets up for the Jets to run on first down, except again, they just lost a really good guard and they just lost their really good rookie running back. So are they going to really be that good running the ball? Like, yeah, I'm just, I was just catching up. Corey Davis is not another guy I think of speed. I want to make sure he was still out there. Yeah. Uh, also, I think Jets fans have talked themselves into thinking Zach Wilson is good. And I had to go back and watch that Broncos game. I was watching it first to say, well, like, let's see if there's anything to Mark Rippon. And I was just stunned at the sort of weird, oh, my God, I'm running around doing spin moves 20 yards behind the last scrimmage and heaving the ball backwards, Zach Wilson stuff that we saw. And Matt Judon, Matt Judon might eat his soul in this particular Yeah, game. it's interesting. The Patriots are not good in ESPN's pass rush win rate. But Matt Judon keeps getting the quarterbacks. Like, yeah, the overall a- pass rush is not good. 
but they keep scheming up ways for Judon to just come in untouched. Right, right. He's getting free. He's beating a lot of people. He was dominating, I think, early against Justin Fields in that game. Like that was one of the reasons the comeback by the Patriots appeared to be on. So I don't know if the Jets have a solution for that. And any pressure at all, I start looking at Wilson saying, are you going to do a Wentz thing here? Because that's what he looks like right now. Um, the Patriots defense is better against deep passes than short passes. So that might be a weakness. That's not good to have against the jets. Mm -hmm. Uh, the jets are weak against passes up the middle where Jones is a little bit below average and zappy doesn't even throw the ball. Right. And and it's going to be in in that they're never going to take advantage of that weakness because he just doesn't throw it in the middle of the field. No, that sounds like 90% chance it's Mac Jones at this point. It is going to be Mac Jones. He's going to start. I think the question is if Mac Jones struggles, would they pull it? I'm I'm there for that chaos. I'm there for that chaos. He, I mean, that's just just such a counterproductive maneuver. But keep doing it. Keep doing it, Patriots. Um. Oh, it's not counterproductive if you want to feed the local press. My God, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's great for me. It's great for it you. It is guys. a dream for the media. My, I mean, this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to the media. This quarterback controversy. Oh God, it feels like 2001 all over again. It is so right. good. And it's terrible for the young quarterbacks. Because like you said, that electric atmosphere can turn sour if you're a 22 and are used to Western Kentucky. <laughs> you know? or, or, I mean, it starts with Jones having to sit there while the fans go zappy, zappy, yes. zappy. And then zappy right. throws picks. And then the fans are going to go Jones, Jones, Jones. And it's, it's right. a mess. It's a mess. Six months ago, you were being told that you were the starting quarterback for the next 15 to 18 years and how much like Brady you are. And the crowd has turned on you after two straight wins against the, uh, the the Lions and the Keebler Elves. I, I, I love it from a chaos standpoint, but I think Jones, like you said, passes over the middle of the field. That's what Jones can do well. He can work the middle. He can do progression of reads. That's what they like doing with him, and that could be a good, that could be a good the, opportunity for him. The problem is Jones was like Brady. He was like 2001 Brady. <laughs> right. Not 2004 until now Brady. Right. Like, the odds that 2001 Brady grows into now Brady are very small. Right, right. Especially when you don't have an offensive coordinator because you don't think right. you need one. Yes, because you have 2009 Brady. So it's interesting. The The Football Outsiders picks formula thinks this should be a pick em. Huh. And that absolutely Jets. And the, the line, you know, Vegas is smart. Vegas has actually moved this line to two and a half. It was at one and a half. It was Jets plus one and a half. Now it's Jets plus two and a half. And yet I'm trying not to be a homer here, but if it feels like the Patriots will take this, like should be, it feels like the, the, the Jets with the running game sort of neutered, you know, and it's just a different situation than Chicago. You know, I, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit like the Patriots. I'm feeling like the Patriots too. And it, that that line is everyone like me in the public saying, I'll believe the Jets beat the Patriots when I see the Jets beat the Patriots in a real game. I yeah. will believe it when I see it. Until then, the Jets are still going to be one of these teams. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I'm looking for the Patriots in this one. If the Jets win this game, they probably move into the DVOA top 10 and we have to yes. take them seriously. Take them more seriously. Agreed. And then again, Sauce Gardner's Big rise, sudden rise, which is great. Quentin Williams, the way he's playing, some of these other guys. It's like, yeah, I'll acknowledge it when it's not this little hot start where they're going right into like their biggest anxiety in the world, which is the Patriots. 
Old Heady 403 also feeling the Patriots in this one. Same reason, because of unfortunate Brees news. Yeah. And let, it's too bad because the league was better with Brees Hall healthy. Yeah, he was getting 40 yards, 60 yard runs at a time. And it was really spurring that team a little bit. All right, four o'clock. The big game is uh, San Francisco at the LA Rams. This is the most important game of the week for the playoff odds. Okay. Rams, 57% with a win, 26% with a loss. 49ers, 66% with a win, 33% with a loss. Okay. So for both of these teams, their playoff odds are double with a win compared to what they are with a loss. Right. And both of them stay in it even with the loss, in part because it's the NFC, and in part, I guess, because it's the NFC West, and someone's going to win it. And it might be the Seahawks, but it might not be the Seahawks. This is important. It's a division game. And it's interesting, you know, the – the system likes Rams plus one and a half because we're still using Dave because we're still using some element of preseason projections and the Rams were better in the preseason projections than what they've actually been over the first seven weeks, except doesn't it feel like except for last year's playoffs, the 49ers just eat the Rams lunch every time they play each other. And they did a couple of weeks ago and it just seems yeah. like it's a bad matchup. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. The 49ers defense on the three downs goes fourth on first down, seventh mm-hmm. on second down, 31st on third down. What's going on with that? That can't possibly continue. That sounds like the kind of thing that can't possibly continue. And the Rams offense is the other way. The Rams okay. offense gets better on third down than on Which first is, down. You, These are usually tells of something that's not going to sustain, right? Yeah, it's usually third down being that different, especially on defense. Offense is a little bit more consistent, the third down thing. But on defense, that's usually not sustainable. Um, the other is the 49ers. I always talk about, whenever we talk about the 49ers, we talk about the fact that they're really, really strong against short passes and really, really weak against deep passes. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who is close to the worst passer in the league on deep passes this year? Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Except Van Jefferson might be back this oh, week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get excited about that. He's like, kind oh, of boy. a field stretcher guy. Odell no. Beckham Jefferson? No, not no, sure. no. But Van Jefferson is. Yeah. Look, I mean, I know like Matt Harmon um, does reception perception. Always talks about you know people sleep on the importance of Van Jefferson to this offense. He's better than the Skronik. Yes, he's better than the Skronik. Uh, can I throw something at you on the other side of the ball? Los Angeles Rams pressures per pro football reference, only 26 total pressures against the other quarterback, dead last in the NFL. Now, again, part of it's they're one of the six game teams, like they've had a bye and other teams haven't. But next lowest is 38 with the Falcons. And they also only have them with four Harrys the entire, the entire season. So, you know, you talk about, well, if this, like, if Cooper Cup doesn't get the ball, no one gets the ball. If Aaron Donald doesn't get the opposing quarterback, no one is getting the opposing quarterback for the for the Rams. Uh, Big Mike, you're going to have to sh- send us a link on that one because uh, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Big Mike. I, yeah. Um, yeah, so so back, back to this game. Um, it's definitely a little bit of a test for – for, I mean, unfortunately, it's a little bit of a test for two things, and I don't know which one will be true. It's, it's a little bit of a test for how much how much are we correct for still incorporating preseason projections at this point in the season. Right. 
at the level that we incorporate them. Because when it comes to actually this year, there's no question the 49ers have been the better team. Right. And it's also a little bit of a test for, or is this just a really bad matchup for the Rams? And I think and there's a little, yeah. I think there's a little bit of bad matchup there. And I, it's a team by team situation, but I feel more comfortable personally saying we still have what percent is the preseason progression at this point? It's really low. No, it's not. It's 50%. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I've done work on it. Like it really is amazing how late into the season preseason projection still matters. Okay. Okay. Well, if, if that's a 20 year trend, if that's the way we're doing it, then we have to respect it to some degree. That said, I still lean towards the 49ers in this one, even though I'm not the biggest 49ers believer, especially after the back-to-back losses, because I don't know who or what the Rams are at this point besides Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. I don't know what their path to victory is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, And interestingly, ESPN had a pass rush win rate type uh, chart that went up earlier this week showing that Aaron Donald is just – the best in the league now this year, not otherworldly the best in the league, which is inevitable. like he's, you know, an inevitable that eventually he would decline a little bit and not be on a different planet than everyone else. Right. Um, by the way, Jackson Polrang wants to know if he should start Pollard, Godwin, or Mostert at the flex. It sounds like Ezekiel Elliott is not playing this week. So the answer is absolutely Tony Pollard, unless something comes out that Elliott is playing. Yeah. If Elliot okay. is playing, I would start Mostert, but it's worth waiting and missing Godwin to find out if it's Pollard, because if Pollard is the starter for Dallas, then you absolutely want Pollard. Excellent. Excellent advice. Uh, so it sounds like we're both feeling like 49ers. We're feeling like 49ers. So we're going against, we're going against our own projection? We're going against our own picks. Just with, the same with the Patriots-Jets. We're going against our own picks. Our emotion and the sort of, I mean, it's not just emotion, but it's the objective just fact of the 49ers, except for that playoff game last year, the 49ers just winning over the Rams significantly. And one thing, especially with DVOA and the 49ers, we joke, I joked last week, the 49ers have had three seasons already. They had yeah. Trey Lance season. They had the Garoppolo, but we're just going to try and muddle through. And now they've got the Garoppolo-McCaffrey, we think we're contender season, with Bose's injuries. Uh, superimposed on that so yeah. you, you know st- analytically you, this is moving target it's always a moving target but sometimes the target's going back and forth all over the, the the road and you can't find it that might be what the 49ers are right now all right another big 4 p.m game is the giants at seattle so someone asked us earlier about the Kadarius tony trade so this is our chance to talk about Kadarius tony uh going from the giants to the chiefs for a uh supplemental third round pick it's it's um I don't exactly know what you call it. It's the pick that the Chiefs got because they had a minority hired by another team as GM. Yeah. So it's not the Chiefs' regular pick. It's like a few picks later. Yeah, it's similar to what they didn't trade those picks for McCaffrey. But the reason why the 49ers had more extra draft capital to trade for McCaffrey is because they have these sort of Rooney Rule adjacent supplemental picks, uh, which, you know, they paid too much for McCaffrey. Third rounder for Tony? I mean, if they can unlock the talent. It yeah. makes sense. Um, but what you said before we came on is true, which is this is not a guy who only had a problem with Joe Judge. This right. is a guy whose personality issues became worse when they brought in Dable, who has worked amazingly well with almost everybody else on the team. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, CCX3 is right. It's a third and a sixth. I, I'll say this. Sometimes when you get, and the, yeah, the personality and remember, thing. remember, Tony comes cheap because he's on a rookie deal. Yeah, he comes cheap, so you can keep him for a little bit of a while. They had Wendell Robinson. When Wendell Robinson is very similar, has come around, I think, early for the Giants. I think that's helped them make the move. They're clearly trying to clean things up in that receiver room because Galladay is still like in the in the weeds somewhere. With these slot gadgety guys, sometimes when we evaluate them, we dream of all the things that an offense can do with them, and then an offense can't do all that much with them. Very slot gadgety guy. Like there's like four or five things you can do with those guys. And if your offense is not super functional and they don't exactly go full Debo right away, you're, you're not going to be completely satisfied. LaVisca Chanel was another one with the Jaguars for a couple of years. They move him to the Panthers. Panthers need weapons right now, and they have gotten the ball a couple of times, but it's not like they're throwing him 15 passes a game. Right. There's one team, though, that is pretty good at like inserting and pulling out these gadget guys. It is the Chiefs. Yep. Yeah, Andy Reid will scheme some weird screens up for him, and they'll do some stuff with him once he's healthy. I mean, yeah. Um, they might- they might have a concern with Sky Moore too. I know Sky Moore's been like muffing punts and things like that. I yeah, he's Sky. a very different kind of player, but maybe he's special a- teams wise, they feel like they, you know, can Tony do some? I don't think Sky Moore is a Tony. CCX3 asks, yeah. is Sky Moore kind of a Tony? Yeah. Sky Moore is more of a speed. He's not, a, he's not, I don't think Sky Moore is a like fidgety speed guy. He's more right. of a like downfield speed guy. And so he's a weird combination because he's a slot kind of guy, but he's a downfield slot. Uh, not yeah, nifty shifty slot. Um, and he is somebody who has a special teams mentality. Tony is not known for a special teams mentality right now, but should be able to return kicks and punts because he's got that skill set. So almost like it's like halfway between Mecole and Sky Moore, you kind of create this and and you add like a Wildcat quarterback and you and you get Kadero. Oh my god, they're gonna run Wildcat players with Kadero's Tony at the goal line. <laughs> I just realized that. Oh no. Uh, on fourth and one, probably. Just, it just hit me like a thunderbolt. I don't like the thought of it. So the uh, Giants miss Tony because they're not using him. And uh, this is the number three game for playoff odds. Giants, okay. 93%. Oh, God! No! No! 70, 71% even if they lose. Seahawks, 67% with a win, 37% with a loss. So it's a question of who do you believe in more? Geno Smith? Or the Giants? <laughs> neither. Neither. This is smoke versus mirrors in this game, and I'm still having a hard time getting a feel for either team. I, I'll throw something out there. The Seahawks have had 11 rushing plays of 20-plus yards this season. 11 rushes of 20-plus yards. I believe the Browns are higher than them, but the Browns do nothing but just give the ball to Chubb, and he cranks out 25-yard gains. Seahawks have gotten a lot of benefit from that running game. The Giants – have seven passing plays, only seven passing plays of 20-plus yards. Hmm. The next lowest team is the Rams at 14, okay? Seven? How are you 6-1 and one in the modern NFL when you've only and got – Daniel Jones passes? has been good at deep passes the first couple of years, and they're, not, right. and they're not throwing them. Right, and now he's this very clever little pump fake and, and you know, move defenders over the middle of the field and scramble for first downs and run, you know, options at the end of the game. And he's this totally different guy. And Geno Smith's a totally different guy. Yes. And Geno's not going away. Geno has had two mediocre games this year, weeks two and six, and five really good games, including last week. It's not going away. It's going away. It's going away. I'm calling it soon. It might not be against the Giants. 
was watching. You really watched last week's game against the Chargers. There were some interception balls that bounced off some Chargers. He's it's starting. Teams are starting to catch up with him. So when he faces a better defense, he faces well the 49ers again, but he played poorly against them. I think we're going to start to see the fade not all the way to 2012 of Geno, but the fade to oh this is a win despite right. quarterback with Geno. The Geno Smith revenge game. A couple yes. people have mentioned. Um, yes. Ted Kerwin wants to know, is either Danny Jones or Geno Smith the quarterback for these teams next year? I've been thinking about this, and I want to write about this. And I'll say this about Geno. The contract I would give Geno is the Jameis Winston contract that he just got with the Saints. I know that sounds like a bad example. But the Saints gave Geno like two years at like, I forget what it was, like $28 million, $30 million. So it's like this short-term Starter money, but not necessarily like, oh, here's, you know, Josh Allen money to see if he could repeat it. And he hasn't. And uh, and at the same time, if you're the Seahawks, you can create a contingency plan while making sure you took care of Gino. That's what I think of for him. Daniel Jones, I would really sit back and wait and wait and wait for somebody else to, to bite. Yeah, I, I feel like if Brian Dable can develop Jones like this in a year, like what can he do with the top rookie? Like, right. I mean, I mean, they're not going to be in place to get a top rookie because I was completely wrong about them. And they've had like this horseshoe up their tuchus and they've like won all these games and they're going to the playoffs. I mean, it's ridiculous, but um, I don't I don't know what they're going to do for quarterback because I wouldn't keep Daniel Jones as the quarterback. I would move to something else. But what else do you move to if you don't have a top draft? pick? And that's it. It's one thing you say, well, I could keep them if I could get them again for two years and you know, 22 million, maybe yeah. you make that move. He's younger. Gino would look at that as, as a guy in his 30s. Yeah. Realize this is a logical uh, extension for me. Jones would probably be seeking other something else. So it's, especially for Joe Sheen, it's going to be a real litmus test of if he can come up with a creative way to compensate Jones or flip the switch and say, we brought in X, like we traded up so that we can get Stroud or, you know, made some yeah. other kind of move. We brought in Bailey Zappi, bad example, but like. No, but. <laughs> You know, who's the kid from Kentucky, like the third or fourth right. quarterback? Right. You get somebody like that in and say, we're going to make this happen with this guy because we can develop quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, here's a crazy Giants DVOA split. And remember, all these down and distance DVOAs are available at FO Plus subscription. Yes. First down offense, 26th passing and third running. Second down offense, first passing and 24th running. No. There's no reason why that should be. That's got to just be random chance, but it's funny. It's very weird. Like, so it's, what it sounds like is handoff, you get second and three, which opens up your entire playbook. and then Right, except DVOA adjusts, right? You, the baseline yeah. is different depending on the, the and three versus and seven. So the DVOA, right. your DVOA on second down is not affected by how many yards to go there are. But maybe it is. Maybe, I mean, you know, maybe it's just the way their pass plays work are set up better by second and short than an average. You know, even though most teams' pass plays are set up better by second and short, maybe the Giants' pass plays are even more better set up by second and short. (laughs) Or it's just statistical residue for a weird team. Um, The line is Seahawks minus three. Who are you taking? I'm going with the Giants. I can't believe I'm saying that. It just came out of my mouth going with Giants. I was always looking at one more stat here. Missed tackles by the defense. The Giants have only missed 24 tackles uh, this this year. If you watch Giants football, one of the things you see is, yeah, this is a team that's tackling properly, and they're not giving up a lot of extra, you know, 
gash runs and yaks. Seahawks 45, excuse me, 44 missed tackles on defense. We've seen their defense struggle a lot during the season. So yeah. if both teams are in like the smoke and mirrors round, I'm looking at the joint Giants. And one last thing we forgot to mention, DK Metcalf on the injury list. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes. No, that's we don't true. know. It's, they, they, it's, you know, up in the are, air. Are, are the Giants a big play action team, Joey Sucks asks? Is that something you can look up quickly? It's something I can look up quickly if you can uh, vamp a little bit while I do. I'll vamp a little bit on what my pick actually is. I, I was going to take the Seahawks, but I forgot about the Metcalf injury. Here's my what I like for picks. One, over 44 and a half. Right? These teams are both both better on offense than defense. Second, Seattle's quarter one line, and I don't know what it is, but I would take Seattle to lead after quarter one. They have the number two offense in first quarter. The Giants Ooh. have the number 30 defense in the first quarter. Huh. So first quarter, on, uh, which way do we go with the first quarter? Seattle to lead. Okay. I like the, the sound of that, and I might – Make a play on that. That's tricky, though. It's a 4 o'clock game. I'll be typing away. Yeah. The game. It, it, Giants are a middle-of-the-road play-action team. So I don't have I, – I won't be able to, like, parse that right now. I don't see, like, these ridiculous stats. Just off the top of my head, it doesn't look like that's the main thing that they're accomplishing. Yeah. Okay. Very diverse offensively, except they don't get the ball deep in any way. All right. One more game to talk about here, and that is Green Bay at Buffalo. Uh, this is the most important game for our Super Bowl odds, Makes but sense. that's entirely because of the Bills. So <laughs> the Bills make the Super Bowl 51% of the time with a win, 44% with a loss. The Packers make the playoffs 47% of the time with a win and 26% of a time with a loss. The Buffalo pass defense, which is the best in the league, falls to 19th on third downs when the mm. Packers pass offense is 30th. <laughs> and we have a thing up on the site right now Derek wrote about the uh woes of the Packers. problems of the Packers offense yeah yeah he he did that on our site you get some details there at the New York Times I wrote a thing with the usual Aaron Rodgers slander about things going wrong and it's it's mysterious and it's actually very difficult to watch like I talk about Brady's difficult to watch and that offense is difficult to watch because it's slam uh, Lenny off tackle for a gain of two and then third and eight, you know, you're hoping for magic that used to be the Packers. It's swing passes on third and 13 to the running backs. And on this play, Romeo Dobbs ran the wrong way. And on this play, Sammy Watkins ran the wrong way. And and, then Rodgers is launching these bombs and, you know, our numbers definitely suggest. Uh And when I've watched, I've seen, I would say, I feel like Brady is playing better than Rodgers. I'd go the other way, um, but I don't know how married I am to that. The one thing is it looks like LaFleur is doing a lot more to keep the offense moving in terms of all the motion, in terms of, oh, we're going to put both uh, running backs and split wide at wide receiver on this. Oh, I would buy that LaFleur is doing more. Yeah. I I just feel like, uh, like as far as how they've actually like looked and then as far as how they've played efficiency wise, Mm -hmm. we have Brady higher than Rodgers. And when I've looked like, I feel like Brady's, just doing better. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I would have to, like, sit and look at it. And, of course, Brady does have – recently has Godwin back and Evans back. And, again, they're good receivers. I don't know if they're as elite as they were two years ago. Whereas, as Useful points out, Rodgers has Romeo Drops, uh, who just is is just, like, sort of frustration incarnate 
for, yes. for writers and, and fantasy. I remember uh, Never Say Never was a great song by Romeo Drops. <laughs> a receiver in trouble is a temporary thing. Yeah. Um, here's a weird split. You want to hear crazy splits? Crazy splits on this game. The Packers are the worst offense in the league between the 40s. <laughs> you're laughing. You're you're still stuck on our Romeo Void jokes? <laughs> even remembers who Romeo Void is. We're talking about the motels next. Jeez. Okay. The waitresses. Well, it's almost time for the waitresses. Yeah, Christmas it's Christmas. Started already. It's almost time for the waitresses. Right. They, they make all of their they're, – they're putting their grandkids now through college with their Christmas. Off one stuff. song, yeah. Okay. okay let's, all right. You Phil, Galligan, Phil Galligan says, color me shocked by the Super Bowl odds for the Packers. No, no, no. Those numbers I gave were to make the playoffs, not to, win, not to make the Super Bowl. Yes. They were not 47% to make the Super Bowl. They were 47% to make the playoffs. If to they make were the playoffs. Play. Playoffs in the NFC. Playoffs. They're just trying to win a damn game. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So here's the weird stats. Ready? Okay. Packers, worst offense in the league between the 40s. Yes. Number two behind Kansas City on the other 80 yards of the field. So in the red zone, really good. Yep. In the back zone, really good. I, I saw yep. them from like the one inch line, get a drive going against the commanders. In between the 40s, horrible. I have no idea why that would be, you know, whether that's where they do their shot plays and their shot plays just have sucked this year or what. That's a weird, like that feels like a weird sample size thing. Uh, Here's the other weird split. The Bills are the best defense in the league against Mm -hmm. short right passes and the worst defense against short left passes. Okay even though they don't actually play their cornerbacks on specific sides. So that has nothing to do with specific cornerbacks. They don't play by sides and Trey White hasn't been involved in that data in any way. So again, Oh, do we have a graphic that said Super Bowl odds? Oh, the graphic was a misprint. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. The bills Super Bowl odds are correct though. They will make the Super Bowl 51% of the time. If they win this game. Yeah. Our ratings love the bills this year. Love them. Yeah. The world loves number one in the preseason. Number one. Now. By a significant amount, uh, the Bills, it's all Bills. Well, I'm not all Bills in this matchup because I need a play of the week. And I'm down 200 right now because everything is stacked against me. And I'm keeping things very, very simple. And what was the line I got when I decided? Ten and a half is the consensus that I saw. Uh, ESPN said 11 and a half. And I got... 11 when I made the play. So I'm sitting on the Packers plus 11, as you described, backs against the wall. That's a lot of points to give up for a team that still has Aaron Rodgers, quarterback was still a preseason favorite, et cetera, et cetera. So nothing fancy, no parlays, no, nothing else. Straight up Packers, not straight up Packers, Packers and the points, excuse me. This week. Yeah, not, not straight up. No. Although you can get the money line. Is like I, I feel like Packers in the points because I feel like Rodgers, <clears throat> like Bills go ahead, Rodgers is not going to fold up into a ball and die. Right. Like he's going to keep coming after it. Exactly. And this definitely could be, uh, this could definitely be a um, uh, um, backdoor cover kind of a situation. It could be a backdoor cover type of thing or just a lingering game. You know, it's like, oh, they're trailing by eight, trailing by one touchdown the whole the whole time. I could definitely see something like that. By the way, if you really believe a Packers upset, which I'm not advocating, money lines plus 400. 
if that's the way you're rolling. So what, what's your big Sunday night parlay? We've got a Sunday night parlay here. I had a Sunday night parlay. Let me go find it real quick. Uh, Josh Allen, 300-plus passing yards. Josh Allen, one-plus rushing touchdown. I think that's your rub. And Aaron Rodgers, 250-plus passing yards, plus 700. I like it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It gives you a good, fun reason to watch Sunday night. Allen does rush in a lot of touchdowns. That's it. They use him a lot. You you use him a lot as sort of like that goal line, either on the bootleg or just the sneak. So I mean, parlays are usually schmuck bait, but this one feels a lot less schmuck bait. Like this one feels like it's a lot closer to what it really is, and it's fun. Right. And that's it. It's fun. And sometimes it's fun to be the schmuck. Get on the hook. Watch the game. You hit one of those every six weeks, and you're a winner. All right. Joey Sucks wants to know the Chiefs' chances of making the Super Bowls and how they are affected by this game for the Bills. In situations where the Bills win, we have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl 15% of the time. Okay. And in situations where the Packers win, we have the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl 18% of the time. Hmm. So it's not that big a impact. I mean, we have the Chiefs, even though they're now our number two team in the AFC, we have them lower than everybody else. Okay. Because of their defense being below average. And And because we like like the Ravens and we like the Bengals, and they're going to have to get past not just the Bills, but the Ravens and the Bengals. And three percentage points for the Super Bowl at this time of the year, that's pretty big still. That's a pretty – Yeah, for a game that's not yours. That's not your win, right? Right, right. um, But it's – remember that uh, this game will not matter for tiebreakers. Right. So if the Bills lose this and then end up in the tie in a, some sort of a tie with the Chiefs, this loss doesn't do anything for the tiebreaker for the number one seed because exactly. it's an NFC because they're playing the NFC. That's right. They'd have to go 13 time. Yeah, that has no impact whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So I so this doesn't affect the Chiefs. The Chiefs game affects the Chiefs a lot more than well, the Chiefs don't have a game this week, but right. um, would affect the geek. There's a lot more than. All right, that does it for the show, folks. Thank you to everybody who made comments and asked questions on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, We're really happy to have you here, 1 o'clock Eastern every day. Thank you from me. Thank you from Mike. If you are listening to the podcast, please like and rate the show and let people know about the show and uh, bring more people on to listen to the show and spread the word. And hopefully you all enjoy Baltimore and Tampa tonight and the whole week eight and mike will be back monday at one and i will be back tuesday at one and we'll see you then 